Alan Mead is a dentist with too much time on his hands and too much recording equipment in his basement. Armed with an obsession to bring entertaining and informative content to the dental world in a way that's never been done before, I give you the Alan Mead Experience. Well, hello and welcome to the Alan Mead Experience. My name is Alan Mead. I'm a dentist, podcaster, and potential trailer purchaser. That's what I am right now. So I would like to uh, I'd like to introduce you to my co-host for the show tonight. He's been on the show before. You you heard him, you love him. This is Dr. Bart Schultz. Bart, how are you doing? Very good evening, Alan. Uh, thanks for having me. Sure. All right. So uh, before I get too far into this deal, I want to thank uh, our friends at Premier Dental Products. Uh, Premier is, they've, they've supported the show. They support this show. They support this episode and all episodes, and they're uh, they're they're the reason we're here, basically. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about that in a couple minutes. Um, actually, so I've talked about what I use. I use a lot of Premier products. They're inspired solutions for daily dentistry. I use a lot of them. One of the ones I use most regularly, I, I kind of switch to their brand of disposable burrs. They're called Solo. But I know for a fact that Bart is a two-striper guy. I want you to. You've always been a true two striper guy too, have you not? Uh, yes, I use two stripers uh, exclusively, um, partly because they cut like no other burr. What's funny too is it's in, and that was before I even had any kind of like premier thing going on. You've been using two stripers since we got out of dental school. Did they use two stripers at the University of Minnesota? They, I, you know what, I don't know. They use. They use cheap burrs that they charged us a lot of money for. I know, but I so I they were able. I could have sworn that the chamfer burrs we had were two stripers. Like I'm pretty sure they had they had close, maybe they might have been where you'd go in and say I need a new burr, and you'd have to return the old worn out rusty burr to get a new burr. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. I don't know that there was a sharp fifty six to be had in the whole school. Actually, <laughs> you remember that? You remember that? You get you'd hand you hand, hand it to the woman. And she wouldn't give you a new burr until she gave you the old burr. And that's just suspect. I'm sorry, but that is super suspect. You just know. <laughs> here's here's your old new burr. Yeah. Well, you know, you <laughs> know, new, you know, they were, old burr. she was not back there sharpening those things either. I'm telling you what, they weren't, what they were name? not getting sharp. Well, I, I think we've Do you talked. Remember? I don't. Do you remember? Irene. Irene. Yes. Good night, Irene. Irene was not sharpening those burrs. I suspect they were sterilizing them, but they were not getting any sharper as they went back there. I remember that much. But I think... Sterilized burrs. I do think, though, that when we were cutting a chamfer prep, which was essentially... We cut a lot of chamfer preps at the University of Minnesota. I want to say we had two stripers then. I think that's... I think part of the reason that we use the armamentarium that we use is because we learned it in dental school. Like, to some extent, I use a lot of 3M stuff, and it doesn't hurt that 3M was about six miles down the road from the University of Minnesota. I think there was something to that. Yeah, I like two stripers. Um, I use, uh, and I couldn't tell you the numbers. They have kind of a weird uh, uh, set of numbers. All the burr companies do, but I use a flat-ended uh, straight diamond premier. I use the chamfer two striper and a, a flame. Nice. And uh, I find that those burrs cut like nothing else. And I've tried Brassler's disposable comet Midwest. I've tried everything, and uh, 
nothing, I think, cuts like these two striper, the green, the coarse. Um, and so I, I don't know what we pay for those first, but they're worth it. It's what's interesting is I think I think they're at very at very least competitive. I found their their stuff to be, you know, as good or better than you're using it, but competitive. The solo diamonds I know are like they're they're easily as good as anything I've used, but they're less expensive when you buy them. It's crazy, and I, I will say that, like I guess I could I should probably try some two stripers because I know that I know you've been a big fan of them, but I've just I'm such a sucker for the disposable. So it's really nice that Premier gives you the options to to use really high end diamonds. They're you know they're two stripers, or they give you the the choice to use a, a really high end disposable diamond. So very cool stuff. So as I said, Premier supporting our show from beginning to end. Uh, and uh, if I correct me if I'm wrong, uh, a Minnesota company? No, Premier is. I want to say they're out there. Their headquarters outside of Philadelphia. Although they're perfectly, oh. ha- they they like Minnesotans as much as they like anyone. I'm sure. Okay. <laughs> there, I think. Yeah, I believe they're outside. I think they're headquartered in Philadelphia. So they they are okay. inspired solutions for daily dentistry. Thank you for supporting the show, Premier. We appreciate it. Now, Bart, I have a couple of things I want to talk to you about. The first of which, okay, so. My wife, I've told you about this, and I'm perfectly comfortable saying this in public. My wife uh, is obsessed with the idea of getting a travel trailer. Like, she wants a camping trailer. And she was on this Jag several months ago. I think during the summer, she was really into it. And we looked around at a lot of trailers, and nothing really happened. Maybe maybe she went to Spain or something, and then the basement flooded. And, and so she got distracted, but she's back on the hunt, man. She's back on the hunt big time. And uh, we have, as you know, we have a gigantic pickup truck. We have a we have a dually, just a monster pickup truck that could pretty much tow anything you'd ever want. But it is, I mean, you can literally see the gas gauge drop as you as you hit the gas mm-hmm. on this thing. It's ridiculous. And we got it because we were going to pull big big horse trailers with big horses in it. That's all fine and good. But this this, I mean, any travel trailer you wanted to get, this thing could pull. But she's like, man... That'd be a drag to, to get the, to a campsite and then have, have to drive. If we go anywhere from the campsite, we have to drive this giant truck. It's The mileage is ridiculous. So she's now also, not only are we looking at a trailer, we're now looking at a new, an, a new truck, an a SUV, new, SUV, and so we're going to trade the minivan in on an SUV. And you and I have sort of laughed about this. What First off, how is it that SUVs cost like as much as a house? What what the hell is that about? Like Well, I, yeah, well houses don't cost what an SUV used to cost yeah, more either, but... Yeah. But you're right. I think I think a little bit is used cars are almost as much as new cars. Yeah. And I think that is a little bit of inflation. I think that's a little bit of the the cash for clunkers. Yeah, maybe. So we we basically crushed the used market. The used market got beat up a few years back for sure. And trucks have always sort of kept their value maybe better than other cars. I'm not 100 percent sure why, but uh, I'm telling you what, man. Like we're looking at, first off, we want to get, uh, if we're going to get an SUV, we want one that can tow as much as we're going to buy in a travel trailer. And frankly, there's not a lot, like like smaller trucks might as well be a minivan. They don't really pull that much. Um, no. So are you, go- are you going to get rid of your dually then too? And no. And then not tow no, the horse trailer? No. We're, okay. So we have three cars. We are a three car family. We have the truck for plowing and, and hauling the horse trailer okay. and stuff like that. Then we have my little car, which I drive back and forth to work, and it's a mileage car. And then we have a minivan. She's thinking of oh, – it's really funny. We have, we've only had the minivan for like a year. Uh, we've had multiple minivans through our, our uh, 
basically once we got kids, we knew we were going to need a minivan. So we've had three minivans. This is the third minivan we've had. And it's a, I think it's a 2014. We got it used, low mileage. It's pretty nice. It's a, it's a, it's a Chrysler. I don't know. It's, it's like every 2014 Chrysler van you see is black and it's got, it's got two video screens and it's, it's pretty nice. It's, you know, it, the interior is nice and it's got the fold away seats. It's, all the, that ca- stuff. it's, it's, the, ca- it's the Cadillac of minivans. It is. It's a Cadillac of minivans, but it, it does not tow much at all. <laughs> like, at one point, we were looking at pop-up trailers, and the woman said, you know, you're actually going to struggle to pull a pop-up trailer. And I'm fairly certain I personally could pull a pop-up trailer. Like, I could probably hitch it to my butt and probably pull it. So apparently, vans can't pull anything. Uh, although we we have pulled our kayak trailer with no trouble, but uh, apparently a pop-up was going to be a challenge. So heaven only knows the stuff we're looking at isn't going to work. So, And Deb's really committed to this. She's really she's really into this. So, okay, saying this says a ton. Deb went and looked at cars today on her own while I was mm. at work. Like that's never happened in in forever. She would never actually go look for a car on her own. This is not something she would do. She would also never go to a movie alone. Like if she wanted to really see a movie and she had time, she would never go to a movie alone. And she had never looked for cars alone. She went and looked for an SUV. It was amazing. So yeah, she's looking at a Dodge Durango because that's essentially the cheapest of the SUVs that can tow something. I think you're getting a. I think you're getting a travel trailer. Yeah, I think so too. I think we're going to get a trailer. I think we're going to get an SUV. I actually, I'm. Let I'm, me ask you. Why not? Why not like a fifth wheel? You know. Okay, that's a good question too. We've had this conversation with all. First off, um, fifth wheels are, and the other thing is, our truck could pull any fifth wheel on the market. We've already figured that part out, and apparently, fifth wheels tow really nicely too, versus the bumper pull travel trailer. But she's not. I think the idea of a fifth wheel is like, I don't know. She doesn't want to be committed to pull it with the truck, I think, because it's such a bruiser of a truck. I don't know exactly. Okay. But sure. so, and she's got, actually, we've looked at every kind of travel trailer there is on the market from literally from pop-ups that are like a tent on wheels to the kind that have like, like Sean is really excited because we're looking at all of them. He He wanted one that has not one, but two, uh, ceiling fans in it, like a, a trailer two. with two, two ceiling fans. It had like a bar. It had everything. And what I laugh about, I'm like, you can't. At, at what point do you have to kind of stop calling it camping? <laughs> yeah, that's like, yeah. like I mean, that's like hotel camping. Exactly, or, like, it's glamping. It it's glamping. glamping. Exactly, glamping. Like, like there, literally, there's like flat screen TVs, multiple leather couches, and you're kind of like, what? Well, you can't really call that camping. I mean, that's not really camping. It's nicer than my house. Let's just say that. Um. I, I, so that's, but we're not really serious about those. At, basically, I go there. I, it doesn't matter what my opinion is. If we get one, it's going to be the one Deb wants, and that's okay with me. I don't feel that strongly about it. But I think we've landed on one, interestingly. I think we've landed on a smaller travel trailer, like an ultralight, so we can tow it with less vehicle. We found one. We really want one that has bunks, too. And any, any Allen Mead experience listeners who have experienced camping, I would really appreciate if you'd weigh in on this. Uh, my email, as it stands now, is Alan at the Alan Meet Experience dot com. If you are a are you, if you are a camping people, I'd love you to weigh in. Now, Deb and I have looked at every kind of camper there is. We've decided it makes sense since we have two boys to find one that has bunks, like two bunks for the boys, instead of having to fold out couches or, and, and tables. Or for you, and, yeah, or exactly. Or for the you, dog. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The dog and myself. 
but like like they have a lot of oh you can fold out the table and it's a bed and you can fold out the couch and it's a bed i'm like yeah except if you do have to do that then everyone has to go to bed at the same time because like yeah you know you got to kind of like set the thing up so we're we're looking at something that has a bunk whether it's a full-on they have some with like a full room that has like three or four bunks in it versus just a couple bunks built into the back of it we're looking at one that's a little smaller now finally i think i think we may have we're centering on for as many as we've looked at. I swear to God, we must have looked at sixty of them, uh, just from 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 super inexpensive to you know to forty thousand dollars. We've looked at all kinds of them, and uh, so I think we're kind of getting there. But this is the funny thing is, I and this is not really sinking in with her. I'm thinking, why don't we rent one and see if we like it? Because we haven't done it before. So, and and mind you, I think we'll probably like camping. I'm not super worried about that, but that would make a ton of sense. And she's kind of no one really. For one thing, they don't like to rent those things. Apparently, or at least the places we've looked, they don't really like to rent them. I wonder if they're worried about people beating them up, right? Probably, and I also no, got think, this. I think they prefer to sell them than rent them. <laughs> yeah, the no. or or lease them. Yeah. Well, how expensive was How expensive was the one with two ceiling fans? Oh God, I I I I venture to say that's between sixty and seventy. It was beautiful, Bart. I should have taken pictures. Gorgeous. It had uh, it literally had three big plush leather couches. A big, huge uh, flat screen TV and a fireplace underneath the flat screen TV, and then, and, then, and then you went in the kitchen. The kitchen had the kitchen had like a it was a really nice kitchen, super high ceilings in this thing, but it had like a long the it, the table was like there was one side of it was like a built in um, booth kind of thing, but it was tall. It was like it was like it was like bar stool. So on one side it was like booth built in, and then there was on the other side it was three tall. Um, bar stool type things on this long table. It was super cool and super hip. And then the the bedroom was super flashy. And 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 uh, you know the bathrooms are nice. These things are built into a. You you have to go up the stairs to get into the bedroom because it's like it's the it's the gooseneck or or it's the sure. the fifth wheel part. It, what's crazy though is like the height of these things. And if you've seen them on the road, they do. They just they're huge. They're they're like a bus. You know they're insane. So I we didn't get the price on that one. I'm glad, and I I would have never done that. And what's really great of the best part about this, and this is where this is where we can loop it back into dentistry. The woman is telling us no one buys these things for cash ever, ever. No one buys them for cash. They 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 finance. They finance them, and she says, "Yeah, I can usually get fifteen to twenty years in financing." Yeah, fifty. So so it's like a hundred eighty months on a vehicle that in in five to six years is worth nothing. Well, it makes you wonder. She, they, they're liking to tell us about how some of these things really hold their value. Interestingly, fifth wheels, the the big ones that go over your truck, those don't hold value at all. But apparently, bumper pull ones do. Which, which, who knows? I mean, they could be, they could be under that economic law. Yeah, applying demand. Okay, so but doesn't what, that mean that the fifth wheels shouldn't be worth very much initially? Also, I know, and they're not, man. They are built uh, unreal. But so yeah, I agree. I think I think you're you're going to depreciate faster than you're ever paying that thing off. But in all seriousness, their entire business model is built on financing them for as long as humanly possible. Like she was shocked when I was saying, well, if we finance it, we wouldn't want to go more than three or four years because we just don't want to pay for it that long. And she could like she kind of she looked at me like a dog when when they're they don't know what to make of you. She sort of turned her head like that. Um, so it, uh, clearly the, the plan is for people to finance these things forever. Um, yeah. So they want a hundred dollar payment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Five- for you know, forty five years. Yeah, well, that's essentially. I mean, like, I, I, we did go into a really nice one, like a really nice one. It was used, but it was really nice. And they, and they, they had a sign up, a hundred and seventy four dollar 
per month payment, and it was for 180 months. And I'm thinking to myself, and it was like a six percent, a six percent. That's 15 years, so six percent uh, interest per year for 15 years. So you're you're basically paying for the trailer twice. Uh, twice, I just, yeah. I, I, and I, my thing the is fi- like the finance company certainly loves that. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it makes you wonder about just the the financial status of our world anyhow it's sort of it's just sort of crazy you know it's like in any well, I, case, wonder, I wonder i mean can, can, can you just turn it in after five years i don't no, know that's kind of blemish it's kind of blemish credit sure right well i don't know if you turn it in but what happens is people she's saying well most people only hang on to the new ones for three four years because they want the new features so they they're basically they're essentially doing what a lot of people do on a lease which is just essentially you constantly have a lease payment and you're you're getting a relatively new car every few years with the lease payment and, okay, but you get, to, you get to just walk away from it. You got to sell it. Can you get? Can you get what you owe on it? That's the question. Yeah, and I I don't know. It sounds to me like there's a lot of people that are selling trailers for whatever they owe on them, and and you'll find that of course they owe more than the trailer's really worth. Yeah. Uh-huh. So this is what's interesting though is this is the classic example of people will pay whatever, particularly with payments, but they'll pay whatever for what they want. You know what I mean? Like yeah. this is. This not is like, what they need. like like a, a a travel trailer is clearly the ultimate in in that's a want no one need unless you're planning on living in it you know uh, and if I'm gonna if I have to choose one to live in I think I'd choose that one with the leather couches what the heck right you know it's cheaper in the house sure. um, but I'm just saying that's that's like the ultimate want so then the question is but I couldn't get uh, as I said I probably couldn't get these people to pay like a hundred bucks for a filling you know it would that their insurance covers two thirds of you know it, it is it's sort of the classic thing and it and people would say well if you create the value for these people and I'm like eh, maybe maybe that's true but what's what's tough is we're we have to create the value in something that that's hard for a patient unless it's front teeth with a nice smile it's hard to create value for something because mostly patients can't see it. And their their perception is that it doesn't hurt and it feels okay and they can chew. A lot of times, that's pretty much the value you're creating, which is not nearly as sexy as two ceiling fans and leather couches. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. So, and the fireplace. Yeah, it, you know, but is is that because is that because they they showed you that trailer? You got inside it. You saw that. And in dentistry, we often don't we don't spend the time showing patients what what's wrong the disability and what the outcome could be um and if you if you spent time with photography showing opportunities does it become easier to create that value i mean the 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 trailer sales guy didn't show you a book or a parts list or or an x-ray no oh you know and if he did that Probably nobody buy that. It right? wouldn't, wouldn't mean as much, trailer. man. I, dude, I smelled the leather couch. That's what it was. I sat on it. Yeah, like, right. like, like right. the boys jumped up on the bed, the bunks, and we're all excited about it. I was living it. Now, I would now. Okay, so what's what's the analogy? How do we do that for a patient? How can we do that for a patient? To, um, I think you would argue maybe imaging. You've done a fair amount of cosmetic imaging, and that that tends to be. What, what do you think about that? Like, how? What's the analogy for dentistry? For for a, a patient who's you know who's kicking the tires of the idea of of restoring their mouth or, or or getting a smile makeover or something like that. Well, I think sometimes it's hard to uh, it's hard to give them a, a a car to drive home to to feel like what the end result might be. I do something with a diagnostic wax up, so mm-hmm. I mock photos all the time for patients. 
Like you, uh, like you, you, we, you, to the point where you like have a guy on call to do it. Like, like you do it. I, I, you do it for almost anyone who walks in the door looking at looking at a new smile. Yeah, I do it for people who aren't even looking for a new smile. If I think there's some enhancements to be made, not just not just aesthetically, not just because I think teeth should be shaped a certain way in a certain position to breathe and chew better. So as I delve more into this facial pain understanding and sleep understanding i kind of think that if we put the teeth in the right position i think a lot of things come out and and work out better so i kind of talk to patients about you know your teeth are you know you wonder why we we prep that second molar and we've done all the reduction right that we know that we <laughs> and, it, and it's still Spectrum touching still, still high. <laughs> you know and probably that condyle has exceeded yeah but there's no more room to reduce that second molar yeah you, You've prepped it down, you know, so the reality is I think a lot of people, they've worn their teeth down. They've worn their enamel. We should be looking at kind of rebuilding their bites, mm-hmm. either in composite or porcelain or whatever it needs to be. But I think patients need to have that opportunity to know what's, what's out there. So I start out with a good set of photos, and we go over those things, and I tell patients what I see, things that are maybe potential problems. I sometimes, probably 30 to 50% of the time, have already mocked up their photo mm-hmm. with the guy that I kind of got on retainer. Mm-hmm. And there's a sample of programs out there that can do that for you. Mm-hmm. And that, that picture is in, in the group of pictures we're going to go over. Mm-hmm. Frequently, that picture is actually up playing in the room. When they, when they walk in for the consult. Before I'm even in there for 10 minutes. And, and, and that's a little bit of a, a sales technique. Here's the keys to the Denali. Go take it for a spin. Well, no, that's that. I mean, take the reality home. is that that might be the only one of the only ways we can we can have them sit in the travel trailer and smell the leather couch and and lay yeah. on the comfy bed. That's a really because honestly, um, short of a full on mock up, which which at that point you've got a lot of cost into. Honestly, the the imaging isn't inexpensive for you either. But uh, and I I think if someone it's, who wants it, to do it themselves. I, I, it's fifty. It's fifty bucks. I don't charge the patient. Yeah. I just kind of include it in its process of what I'm trying to do, and then I tell the patient, "Say, listen, is this something you're interested in?" And they say, "Yeah, I mean, I like that." So that actually could be as simple as a denture. I guess not simple, but I mean, that's the teeth. That's maybe our goal position. Sure. Depending, and that there's a lot of ways. Near. A lot of ways to get there. A lot of ways to get. Yeah. There. I mean, and, and and for some people, maybe it is a denture, but that's now their starting point. So now. If they're interested in learning more, what we did and gather is some diagnostic models, maybe a diagnostic wax up. Um, I might do that myself. The wax up, uh, I, if I send it to the laboratory, there's certainly a cost. I take it to the next level before we even really work on teeth. Is not I take a, I make a mock up. You know, I make some uh, copy class material. I, I make a true chain. I make some type of replication of the wax up. I fill that wax up uh, model with the uh, some composite and I bond that to their teeth uh, with just maybe a spot that's technique or mm-hmm. maybe no bonding. And they wear that for a couple of hours to maybe a few weeks. Um, and they get, I trim that and they get a chance to wear it at home. If I think they're really going to be interested, I, I might pre-make those mock-ups on an unaltered model and separate that. And then I bond those in place like lab made composite mm-hmm. which is really funny Double okay so with. so on the dental hacks we've talked to both uh corky wilhite and, and dennis hartlieb who do sort of the 
a, a bonded composite version of what you're talking about. What you're what you're doing, and I know you've done that as well. You're, you've done a lot of different ways, but what what you're doing is you you are literally taking something like made indirectly off of a wax up and and doing so the same their, kind of so, thing. So, so take their today model, you take their diagnostic model, mm-hmm. and you could you could do a seric impression of their final model mm-hmm. over their new model and the steric restorations or you could take your your copy plast of your wax up fill it so you put some separating medium on your unaltered model their current teeth their unlinked teeth essentially mm-hmm. and you fill that copy plast with some type of composite triad whatever you want proton and you seat those together now mm-hmm. you press out the the extra material put that in the pressure pot and cure that with a little bit of teasing, that composite overlay, whatever the materials will separate from that stone model, micrets the internal aspect of it, clean out any stone remnants, and you can separate those individually. And those are now composite onlays over the restoration. Yeah. And if that patient, let's say it's number two and three, and those are porcelain crowns, I'll just porcelain at those crowns, silenate or bonder, and I'll bond that restoration in place. If it's a gold crown, I can micro etch or cut a couple small info access type divots. Mm-hmm. The patient's given permission to do all this, but I don't even change the amalgams in place. Yeah. Because my long-term solution is if the amalgam is healthy, the restorations that are there are healthy and intact, I'm going to bond over the top of them. I might not even separate the contacts at this point mm-hmm. that they can't flaw, and I can come back at a later point and do that. Now here's the real benefit. Patient gets the chance to wear this. If they're unhappy, we can we can renew this pretty yeah, easily. Yeah, this is this is you can we're not, re- we're not that refund their misery for sure. That's like like yeah, I do I do get that. Do they do they cosmetically look pretty good? I mean, you're using what are you doing with yeah, the front they, teeth they, there? Same thing. Okay. Same thing. Now, I, I that that I rarely freehand. So so a couple things. I don't have a lot of time invested with this now. Mm-hmm. So I'm not freehanding composites. It's it's not my colors are more uniform. Yeah. But it's it's a David Clark concept. I don't have sure. Uh, it's a monoblock kind of thing. Composite. Sure. Yeah. But 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 so here's the real benefit. I look at this even differently. Is when I come back, patient buys into this part. I want to I want to go to I want to go to porcelain or lab made restorations. Great. I don't have to do them all now, right? You can do you can I do as many as they're they're comfortable doing right off the bat. And you honestly and you, the you use thing. the existing thing as a prep guide for crying out loud. You're there like you. Uh, so 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 here's the deal. Your teeth have gotten shorter. Your teeth have gotten thinner, basically. You've built those. So, so if you prep without this mock-up in place, and you do your death cut, you've over-reduced the tooth. Over-reduced. And, and honestly, you, you're, then you're leaving them at their, at their over-closed position anyhow at that point. Yeah. So now I've got this built up incisally, occlusally, facially. I prep through the, my death cutting. I am frequently in a portion of an ear. I am still in enamel. In enamel, everywhere. yeah, because you're not you're not prepping the only the only place you've gotten into dent is where they originally wore into it themselves. Yeah, so my my bond strength, our bond strength to enamel, is far superior than it is the dentist. So so then I make my temporaries, uh, take our impressions, uh, see those temporaries. We work out any refining details again. Couple visits, the patient saying I love how things, but so they've worn these mock-ups. Your conjular health, your TMJ health, your pain health—you've you've got a chance to identify all that before you've entered into 
building these permanent restorations. Well, I, I love I, I mean, love the it, reversibility of what you're talking about. This is this is this isn't a new thing. Dentists did this a lot sure. for insurance got in place. When I tell this to my colleagues, I think a lot of them they get lost in a little bit of the minutiae and they think, God, this is really hard. No, it's it's really simple because you kind of every patient's the same. You've worked it all out with these few details. You don't have to do it in the lab like I do. The, um, for, you know, and the reason I did that is I think the first time I tried it with a patient, I said, God, I didn't have enough time scheduled to do all these composites on this whole arch. I knew I was going to be bogged down in time. And I thought, well, let me just, let me just try this in the lab. And it and seriously it took me 20 minutes. I had all these, I had basically had two poster quadrants, four teeth bonded together, essentially as a whole piece that had the anterior teeth. And I just bond those in place with, with flowable. I separate them after or before. It just depends on the situation and it works out really well. No, I agree. The patients get a chance to kind of, kind of take their SUV home for the weekend and they like it. Well, and I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to go about that. That's probably the most stable and frankly, the most easily reversible too. You really, I mean, you're literally not, you're not touching their teeth, assuming that they're healthy the way they are. That's, that's a great way to do it. So something else I want to talk to you about. This was, this was the other thing that was kind of, you and I both started sort of doing this. You do a lot of, a lot of consults. You do, you do, by my standard, you do a lot of bigger cases. You're doing many more kind of full comprehensive cases. And so you're, you do a, a consult with anyone that's doing moderately complex care at all. And I, which I think is probably smart. Most dentists understand the, the reason for that. And you've been doing that. I mean, you literally have kind of refined your, your, your consultation style from, uh, over the years, basically you've, you've done this. So, but, but you're starting to do something new. So tell me about your consults, tell me what you're doing differently. And then I'll add in some of the stuff I'm doing. So I, I have a consultation for almost every patient. Um, even if they don't really have a lot of wants or needs, I don't like to use the word needs. Um, I don't know that anyone needs to do anything in dentistry. I I even say those kind of words to the patients. There are things we should do. And, and, and those shoulds are their choices. But I have a visit with patients, even if I think their teeth are really healthy, because I just talk about, hey, their teeth are really healthy. It's important to come back. Um, and I find sometimes just having those consultations, there are things they're interested in that I wouldn't think they would be, like even changing some minor crowding, some Invisalign, um, so whitening. Uh, they get headaches, they snore. So I have a consultation with almost every patient to, it doesn't cost any money for them, but we go over their photographs, we go over the radiographs, and we talk, and there's a staff member in there with me, and, and we talk about that. For patients that have more complicated care, opening their bite, sleep issues, you know, complicated, restorative, they might have two or three consultations. In fact, we kind of do the phase one treatment of disease control. Mm-hmm. Phase two treatment of restoring or uncovering implants, we tend to do a consultation at the next big step. Yeah. Because the big, the next big step comes with often some more cost. They've been informed of the whole, whole process, but, but sometimes I think patients lose track in just the minutia. So we, when we sense or when we think we're at the next step, we have another visit. It doesn't cost any money. It's just time. Just to kind of recap, where are we? Where are we going? Are you happy with what we're doing? Because I find that 
that buyer's regret can step in. Well, it is. It's, um, it's very interesting you say that. I feel like I feel like um, a big case. First off, no matter how well you plan them out, uh, especially if you've really planned the the appointment, you know, order of appointments and how many appointments. Like even when you're well planned, things can kind of wander a little bit. Whether it's uh, patients having to reschedule stuff or stuff not happening as fast as you'd hoped or the patient would hope. Cause sometimes, sometimes you have to wait on stuff. Sometimes you have unplanned things, a tooth that, you know, goes non-vital midway through the treatment. And all of a sudden I like the idea of actually coming in and having a quick, you know, let's get on the same page it's again. A, here. It's been a room. Yeah. It's a non-dental room. It's got a big screen. Uh, we, we, it's got a, a desk where we all sit around. Now, do you, this is, office. this is your, your private office, right? I mean, like you, you used to, you used to have a consult room and now you kind of use your private office, right? I made my consult room of the office, the, the x-ray imaging room, my yeah. private office, which was really a crummy office. I made into a really nice consultation room that I use as my office that, uh, when the consults come in, I have to tidy up my desk and get yeah. all the papers yeah, out of the way. Yeah, yeah. But I'm building, I'm building a front desk area that, we're remodeling out there where that's going to be kind of our second consultation because I think these are so important. I actually think when patients come out to, to collect money to run their credit cards, I think we should take them into a private, nice room because patients might, what if their credit card doesn't process? What if they, what if they really can't afford this? What if they're in trouble financially? Well, there's just things they want to be able to share with, your team members that I think should be done in a private manner. Sure. Maybe not even with me or up, right? They don't want to tell me they can't afford. They don't want to tell me they're mad at me. Sure. So I just think that, that, that intimate, that intimate time is important for patients. How do you feel? Okay. So, so how it's interesting. I, I, I totally get private. Okay. See what I've done in my office and this is, uh, this is still, still up in the air. We, we, when we put my office together, I had a, a room that was going to be my consult room. And interestingly, the layout of the actual office made it such that it was kind of on one end of the, um, it's not a good place for it. To be honest, it's a room that we're not using. Well, I need to re- rethink this. What we ended up doing is now that I'm doing consults, which here's the thing. First off, I was always like, eh, consults, I'm not doing that kind of care. Well, you know what? I think, Part of the reason I wasn't doing that kind of care is because you. First off, I can't work up a treatment plan from a hygiene visit. Like I can't, the five minutes I get or less with a patient in a hygiene room, even even though I'm doing a bunch of stuff with the microscope, I can't work that up. I just can't do it. I don't want to do it either. The other thing is, I I feel like if we're going to actually look at this hard, I think the patient deserves my attention for longer than five minutes when I've got three other things going on in the office. So so right right. The other thing is when you're actually sitting up at a table or, or, you know, knee to knee face to face with a patient explaining their care to them, um, they, you're treating them more like a human rather rather than, you know, teeth to fix your, and all of a sudden my personality, the way that I am, I can really be myself. It's, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. The patients, I, I, I do love doing the microscope so they can see what I'm seeing, but now what I'm doing, um, I'm recording my exam. And then what I'm doing is I'm literally showing them the recorded exam and I'm giving them a tour as, as the video is playing and I can stop it and rewind it and all that stuff. And it's very, you know, it's on our server. I can pull it up anywhere I want to. But so what I end up doing is, is we have a really like our break room is huge in the office and it's right in the middle of everything in our office. It's kind of a, it's a little bit silly the way it is. So what I've essentially done is, yeah, this is where we eat lunch, but this is also 
I've got a big TV on the wall, and I, this is where we do consults now. And what's really cool is as many people that are in on the consult, which could be you know one or two, you know, a financial coordinator could be an assistant, could be. We all kind of sit around the table and sort of do this. It's it's like an informal meeting of the minds, and we get to look at all the data. It's it's very cool, and it's relatively new Jay, within the last couple months. Our our colleague in Minnesota was remodeling his his office was a house. And it still had a functioning kitchen. And for a few years, I've been telling him, you know, take that kitchen out. And so he's he's done that. And he was going to make it a break room. And I said, you got a break room in the basement. That he that he made a nice break room. I said, this should be your consultation area. And he was very resistant to do that. He was going to put cabinets for I was too brooms. And he was going to put a cabinet for brooms and this. And I said, no. Put your brooms downstairs. This is the place for you to talk about care. And he's delving into implants. And you need a place to show patients CT scans, have these conversations, all this other stuff. That'll work out. You can use it as a break room, but this has got to be really for the patients. Delve into that. Really, really take that leap of faith. I'm telling you, this consultation concept of having these visits, these non-confrontational non-dental visits probably are more more of the reasons that i'm successful at doing some of this caring no i agree i don't i used i used to i used to think that was complete bs when you'd say that i I really did i push back i'm not sure why but here's the thing when you get to play educator and not guy giving shots and drilling on teeth you know in other words when you are in a non-clinical area talking about this stuff it it sets a a very different tone. It's a meeting of the minds instead of I am the doctor and I am working on you. It's more of let's let's take a look at the condition and you get to you know we get to figure out what you want to do here. It's I, I've been I, I'm I'm sold on it and frankly I'm doing it almost every day where I'm saying my thing is I used to have a feeling like the patient's not going to want to do this. The patient's just going to want to get on with it. They're not going. But they can't get on. We can't get on with it if we the, complex care cannot be treatment planned in a five minute hygiene exam. Some people, a five minute hygiene yeah. exam is exactly they need that and no more. They need a crown or two or a couple fillings. Great. There are a lot of people that come in that need a bunch of care, and I can't do that on the fly. There might be some people that can. Um, I would argue that the patient needs that time to kind of decide. As a patient, I'm not sure I'd be willing to shell out the kind of money that I'm asking them to shell out. If I, it, without a better explanation of what the hell I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, you, you honestly, I think, I think that's only, I think that's only fair. You could like, for instance, you you, you talked about your smile test drive. You could explain what you're going to do in that consult. Maybe that's your first, you know, you say you do multiple consults. Actually, Maybe that's your I first consult. Do it. And I, and I tell them how I do things differently. Yeah. I don't say I invented this technique, but I say, listen, this is something most offices don't do. And this is why I do it. So you get it. Because one of the questions they, they, they often say, well, what if I don't like this stuff? And I explain to them why we do this. You know, as far as doing the consultations, having the separate time to go over this data, I've sent you some photos in the last few days of a, of a patient came to me, young patient, yep. complex. He wanted implants. He wanted the teeth removed and implants. He's 27 years old. And, and some of the, implant centers in the, the metro area here we're going to take all his teeth out and give him four implants and i i looked at it and that said i mean that's an option but you're 27 years old 
you're probably going to lose some teeth, but some of these are still good teeth, and, and you've got a you've got a hygiene issue. Yeah, I'm not sure the implants will survive your hygiene. So, so I I really gave him a, a more complex option of you know let's get your teeth kind of stabilized. We're going to do some implants, that's for sure. But after I took a CT scan, I looked and thought, well, God, I, I think I think some of these teeth are actually better off than I think they are by taking just photos and x-rays. And so sometimes I get that, you know, week of time or a few days of time of just sitting at my desk and looking at this and going over. And my, my plan, my point is my plan from the CT image, from the photos and x-rays to the CT image, my plan of lower arch changed from taking all his teeth out to actually I think we can keep about seven of these teeth. Yeah, I mean, literally, as as recently as this weekend, you were pretty sure this was a a more implant case, and you're now looking at at hanging on to teeth and seeing. And for a 27 year old, that's you know, I look at that, I go, I I think you're, I think you're right to do it. I think that's, I mean, I don't think you're wrong to do it any other way, but I I love that. So, so I think these consultations offer some advantages uh, that if you don't do them or you're resistant, and actually in my practice. I don't, I, if I do, if I do a consultation, like an Invisalign consultation, and I think we want to make some changes on the ClinCheck, I might not have them back for that second consultation to go over that again. I tell them what changes I want to make. I might email that ClinCheck to them. And I have patients who do drive from distances. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe the second one, we can, we can cut some corners a little bit. Uh, we can email photos, but I, but I think it's really important. One of the things I'm doing differently now, and I know I know with your microscope you record is mm-hmm. in the last few days uh, I'm I'm audio recording. I thought about this for a long time because I think sometimes when you you have these these complex operative appointments and consultation appointments, it's hard to get everything in the chart. Yep. And unfortunately, regulations are getting stiffer and stiffer. Um, I mean, the media can say you're a bad dentist because you recommend too much care mm-hmm. uh, and, this, and, and your career can be destroyed. So I almost think you need, I don't know, a video recording every visit, but I, I kind of feel like audio recording. Um, and so I have a handheld recorder that it's, it works okay. It's difficult. I'm using it uh, not really to dictate my notes, but just to have a audio recording of the things we've done and we're just downloading in a wave file and throw it in the in the server right now. Yep. I'd like to come up with a system where you flip a switch and it logs right into the computer and it's just recording every conversation that's going on in that operatory in that consultation room hundred percent of the time. So how do you feel okay, knowing that that's the case, I okay, so I record I record my exams and literally just in the last week I started recording the sound as well. So I've been recording the exams, but not recording my, and what's really funny is when I listen to the sound, much of what's going on in the operatory is relatively inane. We're talking about the news. We're talking about the, but, but the reality is I'm also talking about, uh, I find myself when I know I'm being recorded, not only the video, like I, I look at, it, I go, okay, it's not just me looking through the microscope and doing the exam. I'm actually doing a little cinematography for whoever might look at this this video not I'm not thinking like I'm not worried about the board or anything it's more if I ever show the patient this 
What what's the best angle that I can show them what I'm looking at? And I have to tell you, it's it's made a big difference in how I do the exam. I'm more. Um, it, it isn't just for me. I guess it isn't just for me. It's, and, and more than that, I'm I'm speaking. I'm saying more things. Uh, I'm talking about what I'm seeing more, so I know that it's going to show up. But what's really cool about it, I do think that audio recording is legit. I think I don't know that I I am. I probably need to be frank with the patients that I'm recording them. I think probably legally you, you almost have to do that, but it isn't. It isn't really. So about I looked. That. At, I looked. I looked. I looked up in the state of Minnesota. They use a word. Um, essentially, in Minnesota, if one person and I don't know if this is in a medical field, it doesn't, didn't really talk. If about one it. person knows it's being recorded, that's enough. That's enough in the state of Minnesota. Mm-hmm. I think every state has different rules. But now, arguably, I you actually, can say, I "Look, actually, I record this so I can go back over it and remember what we talked absolutely. about." That's that's. Hey, it's not like exactly. It just so happens if the patient ever claims you didn't say that and you did, that's great. But that's not even what it's about. I mean, the reality is if I'm doing an exam and I'm talking into the, the, the microscope, talking into the air and it's being picked up, if I'm actually looking over this exam, I can remind myself of stuff I saw. I, that is, I think, I, I, frankly, I think, that's, I think that's as legitimate of a thing. And honestly, this is a really funny thing. Okay, so I have microscopes in all my operatories. Now I'm finding myself thinking I can be recording what I'm saying, even when I'm not doing a visual exam. In other words, I can be explaining to the patient what I'm seeing, you know, if they have a toothache or if they have a, something little, but I can actually record it because uh, it's an audio and a video thing. So I'm, so I'm just recording the floor while it's, while I'm, I'm speaking, but so I've got one built into every operatory already. All I got to do is push the button. So that's kind of interesting. I hadn't thought about that. We have yeah, a, lot I mean, of, it's a, it's a, it's an $18,000 audio recorder. Essentially. Yeah. I've got myself a, you know, I could have bought I could have bought something for fifty bucks at Office Max, but no, no, no. The reality is, I'm starting to use it better than I ever have. I've had it. I've had the option to do this for a while. I'm starting to use it better. But I think it's kind of. I have to say, I'm interested in the fact that you're audio recording this stuff. I think a lot of people are going to start to realize it isn't. It isn't necessarily just about covering your butt as much as really having that because the consults are such an important part of the treatment. Because you're literally working it out, not just with yourself, but with the patient. That's a big deal. I think it's a really smart thing to do. I, I would argue it might be one of the smarter things we've, we've figured out. Yeah, I, I, think it, I think it's, I don't feel like there's anything nefarious ever in my office. I mean, I just exactly. I think we're straight shooters. I, I feel confident about the things I recommend. I put my treatment against anybody. I'm not worried about that. But I will say in this day's society, in regulatory issues, I think the reality is, as good as you might feel like your chart is, uh, when there's problems in your chart, when you forget things because you're human, you are going to be held to a standard yeah. that is unattainable, and you're going to be treated like a criminal. And uh, um, someday we'll share more about that, but you're going to you're going to have to deal with that. And I think that, and you, you can Monday back Monday night quarterback. Yeah. Uh, anything that you do and say, oh, well, you could have done it differently. And that, and that's all about how America runs now. Sure. So I think, I think unfortunately audio and maybe video recording everything is, is going to be a necessity just to, just to protect yourself. Yeah. Potentially. Cause the other thing is charting and we can talk about this. That charting is one of those things where frankly, when you look back, especially if you need something or, or if heaven forbid, uh, someone's asking to see your chart for legal reasons or whatever you frankly, 
the best charts in the world, it's not enough. Nothing's ever enough, you know. So it's like, and, my, and I'm gonna tell you, my charts are amazing. Yours are, and mine are not. Of, yours are because of just the human errors. I mean, we have consents for every procedure we do. We have consents for dispensing narcotics. Mm-hmm. Um, I put my charts up against anybody. I put them up against medical models because I've went through a lot of process to make this work well. Yep. Uh, we have templates for everything, but again, we're all human. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm having that conversation with Mary, and my assistant stepped out to just make sure the sterilizer's done, um, and if she typing some of those notes, we things just get not written in the chart. Yeah, no, um, and 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 because we're human. But so if you had that audio recording, there's always there's those things that just I think get recorded that you might not might not always get in the chart. Yeah, so, I totally agree. Hey, listen, we've been going for a while. I think I'm going to cut it short. But here's the thing, uh, Alan Mead Experience listeners. If you are doing any recording, if you're doing any, what are you doing for going above and beyond with regard to your charting, that sort of thing? I'd love to hear about it. Again, the email is alan, A-L-A-N, at the Alan Mead Experience. I'm curious what you guys, if you guys are doing, or if you think we're nuts and this is all overkill. Uh, I think there's lots to talk about there. We probably need to, I'd love to delve into the consents for everything because I'm beginning to wonder if that's, I've heard a lot of people talk about that too. And you're like, at some point, when does a consent become, you know, uh, uh, it's, is that a substitute for, for talking to your patients? Cause clearly you do talk to your patients, something to talk about for another time though. This was really cool. Bart, thanks for, thanks a ton for being on. We'll definitely do it again soon. Thanks again for having me. You bet. We'll talk to you later, Bart. Hey, if you like what we're doing, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review, five stars, and a great review. We'll let the world know what we're doing here. If you have any questions or comments about this or any episode of the Alan Mead Experience, email me at alan, A-L-A-N, at the Alan Mead Experience. And, uh, hey, go check out the Voices of Dentistry at voicesofdentistry.com. Go sign up. It's in uh, Scottsdale, Scottsdale, Arizona in January 2018. You can't do any better than that in January. And we will talk to you again next time.